Happy Sunday, West Village family. Happy 2021 to you. I realize we're a week and a bit into 2021, but this is my first time preaching in 2021. So I just want to say Happy New Year uh, to you and, and welcome to everybody who's watching online. You may be new uh, watching for the first time or came across this video. I want to extend a special welcome to you as well. My name is Chris, one of the leaders at West Village, uh, and I have the privilege and joy of teaching and preaching uh, the Bible. We are in week two uh, of a little mini-series we are calling Jesus's Guide to Thriving in Chaos. And really what we're looking to do in this series is just kind of hit pause as we come into the new year and take stock of where we're at. We want to look back uh, over 2020 and say like, hey, what was the year like? It was a crazy year, but what was God doing? And then we want to look ahead into 2021 and just kind of ask the question, uh, God, where are you taking us? What are you doing? Uh, and we're really going to kind of climax this series on uh, January 31st, Sunday, January 31st in the evening. It's only a three-week series, but on Sunday, January 31st in the evening, we're having uh, our church-wide vision and prayer night. This is like the, the the time where we come together as a church and we look ahead to the year. And as elders, we are going to come and we're going to kind of let everybody know where things are going. We're going to put forward our 2021 budget, do some church business, share some plans, do some Q&A and spend some time praying for the year, praying for our city. And so if you are a West Villager, here's my encouragement to you that you would mark uh, Sunday, January 31st on your calendar. Uh, the details that we have right now are, are very limited, but here's what we do know. It's going to be Sunday, January 31st. It's going to be at 7 p.m. And it's going to be completely online, regardless of whatever health orders come out in the next few weeks. Uh, our Vision Prayer Night is going to remain online. It's going to be ext- uh, exclusively digital. Um, normally, we'd get together, we'd have a big meal, we'd worship our faces off, we'd pray our faces off, we'd celebrate, we'd laugh and all that good stuff. But unfortunately, we can't do that this year, so it's going to be all online. All the details will be forthcoming, but for, for now, what I'm asking you to do is just simply uh, mark that date on your calendar. Now, if you have a Bible, grab it and open up to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29. Uh, we are kind of using that as our home-based text, Jeremiah 29, uh, for this three-week series. Last week, Andrew did a really good job of just kind of unpacking, unthreading for us the context of Jeremiah 29. It's a really uh, well-known passage of Scripture. I'm going to do a little bit of a, a dive into it as well uh, for us today. Uh, but Jeremiah chapter 29, let's go to verse 1. I'll read that, and then we'll stop and unpack it a little bit. It says this in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 1. It says, This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles. Just if you have your Bible or your phone or whatever you got with you, that word exiles, just underline that for a second because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack that in just a moment, but it's a word I want you just to hang on to. Um, to the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the other people, Nebuchadnezzar, that's the king of Babylon, had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So we, uh, uh, sorry, from Jerusalem to Babylon. Uh, So twice in verse 1, we see this word, exile. Now, there's something that we got to understand here for for just a moment when it comes to uh, the the meta-themes of the Bible, of the scriptures, of the story of God. Exile is one of the most significant and massive themes that we see throughout God's story. Uh, And in the moment that we find ourselves in as the people of God, as the church, I, I would argue, I would contend that, that this is a theme that we really need to become acquainted with. We really need to understand the, this theme of exile. Uh, I think there could be a decent argument 
to, to say that the story of God could be summed up through the lens of this theme of exile, something like this. Okay, this is a bit of a, uh, an oversimplification, but, but just bear with me. Uh, at the beginning of God's story, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we have this picture of God and his people. In Genesis 1 and 2, it's Adam and Eve. They're together. They're, there's no sin. Uh, they're able to walk with one another. They're able to worship uh, Adam and Eve or to able to worship God. There's this perfect harmony. Let's use the word home to describe that reality. Adam and Eve are home. The, the world is the way that it is supposed to be. Genesis 1 and 2. God, people, together, there's no sin. If you were to fast forward in your, in your Bibles all the way to the very end, kind of Revelation 19 to 22, we have this other bookend of God's story. Uh, we have this picture of what, what is described for us as the new heavens and the new earth. And it's very much so a picture of what we see in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. We have this picture of God with his people, and there's no sin. They're home. Genesis 1 and 2, home. Revelation 19 to 22, home. But in between, what do we have? We have this theme of exile, this reality that humanity, the world, it's not the way that it's supposed to be. And that even for God's people who know God, who uh, love God, who, who know that they're loved by God, they have not fully realized or actualized all the promises that God has for them. There's, there's still a separation, if you will. And from Genesis chapter 3 until Jesus returns, the reality for God's people, the reality for us, the reality for the church is we aren't home. We're in exile. We're living in a foreign land. And when we think about the story of God, when we, when we kind of imagine it, Imagine it with me for a second. All the stories you know in the Bible, this is what we see. In Genesis chapter 3, we see Adam and Eve exiled from the garden. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, is asked by God to leave his homeland, to go to a foreign land. Uh, the nation of Israel, as we're reading here in, in Jeremiah 29, they're in exile. They're in exile in the book of Exodus to Egypt. They're in exile to the Persians here. They're in exile to the Babylonians and on and on and on it goes. The people of God were in exile. They were, they were away from their homeland. But even in the New Testament, this theme of exile is a very dominant theme. The apostle Peter, one of Jesus's closest disciples in his letter that he wrote to the church in Asia Minor, first Peter, uh, that's what the letter's called. He starts that letter by saying this. He names the church God's elect exiles. And then the entire letter is instruction to the church on how they are to live in a world that is not their own. Uh, the Apostle Paul uses very helpful language for us in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20, the Apostle Paul says that our citizenship is in heaven. That our citizenship is not here, but rather it is in heaven. And this is a powerful image for us, isn't it? I mean, if I was just to ask you, if I was, you know, apart from this sermon and this conversation that we're having, if I was just to ask you, where is your citizenship? You would likely say it's wherever you were born. For, for me, that would be Canada. Uh, but according to the Apostle Paul, that's not the case. Uh, according to the Apostle Paul, if you were to pull out my passport, that it wouldn't say Canada on it. Rather, it would say the kingdom of heaven. 
that when we come to faith in Jesus, something significant happens in the heart of a person where their citizenship, citizenship rather, is transferred from wherever it is that they were born to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of heaven. That, that this world is actually not our home. Now, there's a lot of implications to this reality. The moment that we find ourselves in right now, I mean, it's so politically charged. Everything that is happening in our world right now is just kind of amped up politically. And I think in a very real way, this is a truth that we need to like just wrestle with. I don't want to go down the political road right now. I'll just kind of put a teaser out there and say, not next Sunday, but the week after. Uh, so this will be in two weeks time, we're going to be starting a teaching series on how the gospel and politics interact with one another. So we're going to talk all about that. But here's what I want you to wrestle with. And here's what I want you to know that between Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and Revelation chapter 19 to 22, the church, God's people, they're in exile. And we're waiting to return home. And that's where we find ourselves in the story. But what I want to do is draw some straight lines for us, hit pause on that theme of exile, and draw some straight lines for us from where the people of God were sitting to where we find ourselves now. Uh, There's a lot of similarities to what the people of God were experiencing and to what the church in this current moment that we find ourselves in are experiencing. The first one is this. Like us, the nation of Israel in Babylon, in exile, had their freedoms limited. Now, now let me just be clear about this for a second. There is next to no comparison between our experience and the Israelite experience. Uh, The Israelites didn't just have their freedoms limited. They actually had no freedom. They were being oppressed. They were being persecuted. They were under tyrannical leadership. Some of you would say that's the case for us, but the reality is that that is not the case for us. Uh, we have a ton of freedom. Here I am preaching the gospel, <laughs> going out on the internet. And while our freedoms are limited, the reality is this isn't persecution. This isn't hardship. This isn't suffering. However, there is a limitation to the freedoms that we're experiencing. The second reality that we share in common with the nation of Israel in Jeremiah 29 was that there was really no end in sight for them for this exile that they were experiencing. In fact, if you skip down to verses 8 and 9 in chapter 29, you kind of read this. This is what the prophet Jeremiah says to his uh, to God's people rather in exile. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encur- uh, do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in your name and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. In other words, there were false prophets that were coming to the people of God, and, and they, were, they were preaching false gospels. They were preaching lies. And there was kind of two camps that these false prophets would fit into. Tell me if these either of these sound familiar. The, the one camp was, uh, was a bunch of leaders who were encouraging the people to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. They were, they were encouraging people to rebel against the Babylonian leadership. Don't respect them, don't honor them, and overthrow them. Have you heard that anywhere in 2020? Uh, And then the other camp was a set of false prophets and false leaders who were saying, don't get comfortable. Don't invest. Don't invest in the community. Don't get comfortable. Don't settle in. Just check out. Because any minute now, God is going to come and he's going to rescue you from exile. Now, both of these camps sound a lot like how 
so many Christians have chosen to respond to the moment that we find ourselves in. On one hand, you have people calling for the church to disobey the government, to overthrow the government. What about our rights? What about what we're entitled to? What about our freedoms? And then on the other hand, there have been a large group of Christians who've checked out, completely checked out of the church community altogether. Uh, They've said things like, Zoom is stupid, online church is stupid, uh, and I'm I'm just gonna do my own thing and wait this out. And the words that God gives his people in Jeremiah 29 is God speaking directly into those two responses to the exile that God's people found themselves in. So what does he say? There's two things I'm going to pull out here, and I'm just going to hit both of them very quickly. We're going to do a deeper dive into these next week. But the first one is this. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God says this, I want you to establish yourselves. Uh, Look at what he says, verses four to six. Chapter 29, verses four to six. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters, increase in number there, and do not decrease. So what's God saying to his people? He's saying, settle in. He's saying, build houses. I mean, just listen to all the language, right? Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, marry your sons and daughters, increase in number. What's he saying? He's saying, you're going to be there for a while. Get used to it. Start thinking not like someone who's renting a house, but somebody who owns a house. Start putting down roots. Uh, We've been using this language uh, since the very beginning of the pandemic of unpack your suitcase. When you go to a hotel for the weekend, you tend to live out of the suitcase because you're not going to be there for very long. But the reality is that this is this pandemic has been a long time. This, this season of what feels like exile for the church, it's been a long time. We're coming on to a year now. And for some of us, we've been living out of the suitcase for a year. But when you know you're going to be somewhere for a while, you kind of take your clothes out of the suitcase. You put them in the closet. You put them in the drawers because it's more comfortable. You want to make it like home. It's time to settle in. The church doesn't stop. The mission doesn't stop. Our spiritual lives, does, they don't stop. Disciple making, it doesn't stop. We still exist for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to make Jesus known. Sure, it's different. Sure, sure, sure things aren't the way that they, uh, they used to be. But we are still, as the people of God, called to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples until the city is saturated with the gospel. We're called to make Jesus known, church family. That's why we're here. Nothing has changed. In some sense, everything has changed. But at the very core, the very essence of who we are, nothing has changed. But for some of us, we're still living out of our suitcases. You know, sociologists say that it takes uh, 21 days to form a habit, habit rather, and it takes seven days to break one. 21 days to form a habit, seven days to break one. Doesn't seem fair, does it? Well, that's how it goes. That's the reality. It's harder to form habits than it is to break them. And for those of us who have just chosen to check out, who have chosen to isolate ourselves, who have chosen to just, you know, we're just going to wait. We're not going to establish ourselves. We're just going to wait. We need to ask some hard questions. Right? A lot of our church family rhythms are obviously different. So what have you replaced them with? A lot of our family discipleship rhythms are different. What have you replaced them with? What new 
rhythms of discipleship have entered into your lives? Well, what things are gone that you have, you've probably not replaced with great things, maybe bad things? You're going to start to produce unhealth in your inner life, in your home. Jesus is saying, establish yourself. And many people have said things like, ah, it's too hard. It isn't the same. I hate online church. I hate, I hate Zoom. Who doesn't? Who doesn't hate Zoom? I, I hate online church. I hate Zoom. I'm sitting in a room right now preaching to no one. You think I like this? I don't like it. But it's the reality that we have. And here's, the, here, here's, here's what we need to just kind of sit with for a second, family. We need this. We need each other. We need community. We cannot do this in isolation. You and your spouse and your kids off in a room somewhere by yourselves with no connection to a church family, with no connection to people who are going to pray with you, pray for you, love you, serve you, be on mission together. It's not how it's supposed to be. Eugene Peterson, who's a theologian, a pastor, he wrote this about Jeremiah's words in Jeremiah 29. It's a good words. He says that Jeremiah's letter is both a rebuke and a challenge. Quit sitting around feeling sorry for yourselves. The aim of the person of faith is not to be as comfortable as possible, but to live as deeply and thoroughly as possible. To deal with the reality of life, discover truth, create beauty, act out live. The only opportunity you will ever have to live by faith is the circumstances that you are provided this very day. This house you live in, this family you find yourself in, this job you have been given, the weather conditions that prevail in this moment. We're not just in exile right now, church. We're in exile until Jesus returns. When COVID's over, when the vaccination comes out, we can't just wait. We have to establish ourselves now. That's the first thing Jesus says. The second thing Jesus says is this. Find it in verse 7. He says, live to prosper the city. Look at verse 7. God says through the prophet Jeremiah, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city for which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Notice what God says. He doesn't say hate the city. He says seek the prosperity of the city. He doesn't say complain about the city. He says love the city. He says pray for the city. Again, we're going to do a deeper dive into this next week. But the reality of what the prophet Jeremiah is calling the people of God to is this this reality where, where we start to live in such a way that we would actually be a blessing to the city. And notice what he says, if the city prospers, you too will prosper. And the language that is used here, this peace and prosperity that is that is being talked about by the prophet Jeremiah is this concept of shalom. It's the Hebrew word for peace. It's the word that is used to describe the state of affairs in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 1 and 2. And it's the word that is used to describe what the new heavens and the new earth is going to be like. A day where there's no more sin, there's no more sickness, there's no more COVID, there's no more political strife, there's no more, there's no more brokenness. We don't need a charter of freedom and freedoms and rights because, because Jesus will be seated on the throne. It's a beautiful picture of the goodness and grace of God and what the prophet Jeremiah is calling the church to is to live in such a way that demonstrates where your true citizenship is. 
to live in such a way that you would be a pointer to the reality that Jesus is the one who is going to heal all that is ailing humanity in this moment. That we, church family, are called to be the dispensers of the hope and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. That we are called to love our city, a city that doesn't know Jesus, a city that is hurting, a city that is lonely, a city that is broken, a city that is desperate to know that there is a God who made them and who loves them and who would lay down his life for them. That is what we get to do. What the prophet Jeremiah is saying, what God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah is, I want my people to be that kind of people, to not just make the city a better place, but to actually live in such a way that demonstrates, that puts on display the true realities of God, the true realities that the world is not the way that it is supposed to be, that we have left home and that home is coming again. And that in between then and now, we get to give our city a picture of what home is like. So people will long to come home and be with Jesus. That good news. Not a privilege that we get to be the dispensers of that truth to our city. It's so good, church family. Uh, now, what I want to do... Uh, is hit pause for just a second on all of this. And, and I mean, there's lots of ways I could apply this. And there's lots of stories I could tell from 2020 about the way that God has been doing this in and through our church family. But instead, what I want to do is, is, is just highlight what I would say has been probably one of the best untold stories or the, the best secrets of our church family for the last couple of years, but certainly during 2020. Um, uh, we're going to take some time and, and hear a story from uh, our friend, a good friend of our church, Gord uh, Gordo. And Gordo leads something called Broken Ministries. And, and we're going to watch a short video just kind of giving a highlight and some backstory to Broken Ministries. And then you're going to get to hear from Gordo as him and I sit down on some stools and just tell some stories about the way in which Broken Ministries is actually seeking the prosperity of the city, actually bringing shalom to the city. So I hope you enjoy this. I was a drug addict. I had come grow up in a home with, uh, there was a certain amount of abuse. That abuse left its mark on me, uh, introduced me into the drug world, and uh, it just progressed into uh, a life of addiction. Uh, I was in my 40s, so you t from take 12 to the mid 40s, that's almost 30 years of addiction. Um, I had been in many treatment centers, and I, I just couldn't get it. I had lost everything. Whatever you can lose, I lost. I met Jesus at a treatment center, and uh, you know it's history. Uh, my addiction's going, and uh, Jesus restored all of those. Uh, I'm now a father to two of my kids again. I'm a grandfather. I have two grandchildren that so love to see me. He, there's nothing he can't heal, or nothing he can't right. Uh, we just need to ask him for help and let him do it. I don't think I've ever met a person that said, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to check out addiction and homeless. It looks really fruitful. Um, it's just, you know, a process of, of, of some poor decisions or a multitude of different things, but 
um, you know, at times when you're out there, you're absolutely lost. You're in fear of everything. You can get ripped off. You can get beat up. You can get hurt. You could get, you could overdose. You can die. It's a really lonely world, and um, it's uh, it can it, it can be you know a very hard hard life. Um, they are often a throwaway piece of society that uh, people won't give them the time of day, and they are just like me and you. They are sons, they are daughters, they are mothers, they are brothers, they are sisters, they are uncles, they are even grandparents. There are people that have been stuck in this vicious cycle of addiction and homelessness and uh, abuse for decades. And they are looking for a way out. Everyone I talk to um, wants to change their life. And I like to tell them that Jesus is the way. And it worked in my life and it can definitely work in theirs. I get up every morning and I head down to the city and I just... I'm open to see what happens, right? And, you know, and I don't know, I'll be sitting at, you know, McDonald's and a guy from the street will tap me on the shoulder and he'll go, hey, aren't you putting on a barbecue? Yeah, we are. Let's sit down and take time. Uh, the, often these people are uh, stuck with the choice of actually eating food or getting drugs. And, you know, I'm not saying by giving them food helps them enable them to get drugs, but everyone needs to eat. Right, and I just feel that's one way you can help somebody. Um, Broken Ministries is committed to going to the darkest of places and shine the brightest of lights. And that's what we're doing. Um, we're trying to build on that model. Any door that we knock on opens, any obstacle that we've ever come across on this, this Broken Ministry journey has been knocked down. And, you know, uh, why me? Why am I being the guy asked to do this by God? I, I don't know. Right? Like, uh, you know, who would have thought I could do this? You know, there are days that I go by going, what am I doing? You know, but then something happens. Someone gives us something. Someone reaches up. I want to help. And all it does is just refuel it. So we really feel that Broken Ministries is a fitting name for what we're doing. Right? And if Broken Ministries, if you think about it, we're all broken. Man, church family, that is so encouraging to hear that story, isn't it? Uh, man, Gord, that's a long time ago. Hey, four years? Yeah. Four years. Uh, I remember uh, kind of the inception of Broken Ministries. I mean, you and me go way back, like probably close to 15 years that you and I have been hanging out and doing ministry together. Um, and it's been amazing to see God's work in your life. And I remember those days of just kind of dreaming up what God was doing in your life specifically. And then uh, Julia came into the picture, thankful for a good a good woman. <laughs> That's right. Amen to that. And, yeah. uh, and then just that vision that you had that you wanted to, like you said in the video, you wanted to shine the, the brightest light into the darkest places. That's kind of always been your heart because of your story. And uh, man, it's it's happening. Like it's unbelievable what's happening. And so what I want to do, because you come in the office all the time, like we'll bump into each other usually once or twice a month and, uh, you know, do some admin work. But then also like you just start like dropping stories on me. And the last time you came in a few weeks ago before Christmas, I was just like, holy smokes, I can't believe all that God is doing through Broken Ministries. Like we got to tell this story. And so I want to just kind of open it up to you and just like say, tell the West Village family, like what is happening through Broken Ministries? Like what are you seeing God do as you kind of spend your your time downtown where where the needs are? Yeah, um, 
Well, first of all, I'd like to thank everyone from West Village for supporting it. I uh, never thought it would go four years or, you know, I never thought it would go a week. Who knew, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, it's going strong. Um, you know, uh, just as a total, I think we served over 75,000 burgers and hot dogs downtown. Unreal. Yeah, you know, and, and that's all on people's donations and just kindness. And, you know, uh, once again, I never thought this would, you know, it would sustain. But, you know, if God wants it to happen, it will. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's um, we're still doing it, uh, which, you know, our primary thing is a barbecue. We do it every Thursday night. We start around 930, but really we don't get going too much after 10. Um, upwards of 300 meals go out every Thursday night. Wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, throughout the pandemic and everything, um, you know, we had a couple of days off, once for a quarantine and once for a flu. But uh, other than that, we haven't really missed a beat. Maybe six days since the inception. Yeah. Now, I remember like when the barbecue first started, a lot of the people that were coming down were West Village people. And that's kind of some people have transitioned, moved on and stuff. And like from what I've heard from you, like a lot of the the folks on that, like that are on the street that you kind of met doing barbecues have like come into this place where they're like, we want to be involved. What's that yeah, been like? Well, a lot of the people that were helping us from West Village had families and young families. Yeah. So to be out till two, three o'clock in the morning <laughs> is kind of ridiculous. Um, or hard on the other partner. Yeah. Um, but really, it is people from the street now serving the street. Um, and that kind of was a vision at, at the beginning, too. It would be nice to see, like, an us thing not, or a we thing, right. not a different, you know, us and them. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it's all together. And, like, you know, from it, a story I'll throw at you. There was a guy that um, he barbecues with us ever since. But the day that um, he, he came down to barbecue, I, I didn't know what was going on in his life at all. But he had uh, written 13 notes to say goodbye to his family and friends. Um, and uh, he just showed up and he was going to empty his bank. And um, he was he was involved with drugs at the time and he was going to commit suicide through drugs. And um, I didn't know this at that time, but we just started chatting that one uh, that night. And we just ended up, I just let him sit at the barbecue. You know, he was clear headed and such. And um, that gentleman uh, later Eight, ten months later, he told me that he was suicidal that night. Had no clue hmm. how it affected him. He has not missed a day since then. It's one of the biggest things in his life. It gives him wow. purpose. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's hearing the gospel. Yeah. He's a little, you know, he's putting his, teeth, his toe in the, in yeah. the pool, but yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. diving in yet. And that's, yeah. that's really common down there. But when I heard the whole story, it really touched my heart that, you know, we had that much effect on someone's life yeah. that, you know, it, it kept him from suicide. Um, you know, we don't really get to see everything or all the seeds that get planted, how they grow. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every once in a while you get a biscuit. And uh, yeah. this gentleman that's been helping us, he's become a, a great friend. Um, you know, it, it's it's a blessing. He He's a blessing to us. Yeah. Um, and to know what he has gone through in his life is... Um, you know, it's just, it's an amazing journey to see it coming yeah. to fruition. He's almost like my little brother now. Yeah, you know that's I mean? so cool. Yeah. Uh, I know that, like, um, you guys do a lot more than just a Thursday night barbecue. Like, you actually, it's funny, back in the day, we were like, man, I have this vision of Gord being like a downtown chaplain. How's God going to actually make that happen? Where's the money going to come from? Because you got to live and feed your family and stuff. And then God opens up this door for you to work downtown at the mustard seed. So you got a job down at the mustard seed. So you're downtown, like, all the time. Like, yeah. This is what you do. Yeah. And Broken Ministries is much more than just a Thursday night barbecue. What else well, is happening? I mean, when any, anybody comes up to us that knows us and, and asks anything, we'll try to facilitate it. Um, you know, there's, I don't know what God has in store for me tomorrow, right. but when he knocks on the door, I'm going to answer. Yeah. And, um, you know, for, we've started a thing with William Head Penitentiary. 
that uh, we send about beat up old guitars out to them. They refurbish them, send them back, and then guys in the streets or guys coming out of the pen, they have guitars. So there's a little music thing going on there. And then also with another church downtown, um, it's First Baptist, yeah. they let us um, use their facility. We come in, we take a few guys off the street, um, we supply instruments, and for a night, they get a, a jam night. Yeah. They, they, it gets their minds off any substances or anything like that. It's just a chance to, you know, maybe four or five guys get together, you know, in a church, which is kind of cool in its own right. Yeah. It's got the big pipe organ, you know, yeah, you know yeah, you're, yeah. you know where you're at when you're standing <laughs> in there, right? It's not a movie theater, which is cool in its own yeah. right, but, you know, um, and these guys just get to play some rock and roll for a night, um, you know, and it's just, you can see the changes in them. You can see they're not thinking about whatever their problems are, be it the drugs or whatever trauma they've gone through in their life. It's just, you know, it's, it's just the power of music. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and at the same time, you know, we do introduce, introduce a little bit of gospel music to them, but it's not the primary focus of it. It's just to get them connected with people yeah. doing something out of, well, when you live outside, yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah, quite yeah. a change. Right? That's great. And you're wearing a you're rocking your Wagner Hills hoodie. Um, yeah. That's a treatment center on the mainland. I know that you guys have been able to like facilitate people getting into treatment. Like, what's yeah. that been like? Well, um, the mustard seed used to own a treatment center called uh, Hope Farms, but for whatever reason, it, it had to shut down for a while. And we reached out to Wagner Hills, saying we need a place that we can send these people. Um, and I, I basically just out of a whim, started contacting it, made a really good connection with a guy over there. And to be honest with you, we've had 100% success rate mm. getting people in that have wanted. Yeah, like, I mean, I know when I was struggling, you could wait a month. Yeah, You know, like, we honestly, once they get through the intake, um, you know, God's open doors and it's as quick as we can get them over there. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I'd like to see more people finish the program, but, sure, sure, you yeah. know, but, you know, journey, right? it is, journey, you know, yeah. the seeds get planted. Yeah. Um you know, um, and, and like, but the 100% success rate is uh, Wagner Hills, they're great people, yeah. you know, and it's, they got a six month program. So, you know, anybody needs help in, um, you know, treatment, you know, get a hold of us. We can yeah. definitely help. We'd love to help. Now, now, if anybody like watching this, uh, whether they go to West Village or not, they might just be watching this online in the season that we're in. If they wanted to get involved, I mean, you can support uh, you can support Broken financially just through our website, westvillagechurch.com forward slash give. There's a, a drop down tab there called Broken Ministries. All the money goes right to Broken, funds all the stuff you're hearing Gordo talk about, like gets people on the ferry to treatment, helps pay for the barbecues, all the different things that they're doing. The money goes to that. Um, but if they wanted to actually get like with some skin in the game, get involved, um, like what might that look like? Well, if, if they really want to get like their hands dirty every Thursday night, you know, you can get a hold of myself or Chris. You can come down and give us a hand. There's a bunch of people from West Village that I, I know, you know, they, they could also give you some insight on yeah. what it is. It's a, it's a game changer in someone's life if they've never done it. Yeah. You can do that. Um, down at the mustard seed, if a group of people want to get involved, we have nights that you can bring a group of, say, six people cook a meal, uh, you know, get to hand it out to the people. We are still outside um, uh, outside the building. We're not yeah. allowed to have people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a chance you can come together and serve some people. Um, you know, the, uh, how else could you get involved? Um, You'll put them to work? Yeah, we'll do that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's also, like, if we had more people, we could start doing clothing. We used to do a lot more clothing than we right. do right now. Yeah. There's, there's clothing around to, to give out. Um, you know, whatever's on someone's heart that's downtown, we can help facilitate it, mm-hmm. really. 
um, you know, it's limitless yeah, what, what someone can do or what someone can bring to the table. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for Broken. What's like uh, one or two things I could I could pray pray about? Um, well, just for continuing, like, you know, keeps the support we've had is great. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be good. Um, you know, and just, you know, for this pandemic to kind of go away. So, yeah, yeah. you know, not that living outside is normal, but yeah. it was a lot more normal than it is today. Yeah. And it's like, it's hard for those people even use a washroom, yeah. Yeah. you know, so just, just for an end to that, you know, and uh, just give us the strength to keep keep yeah. going because we, we want to do this. We're not in it for the short haul. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we don't know where it'll go, but yeah. uh, we're, we're going to man the ship as long as it stays afloat. And, yeah. you know, it's um, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, Gord, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for what God's doing through uh, your life, through Julia's life, uh, and pumped uh, for what he's doing through Broken Ministries. So I just want to pray for you guys. You. Uh, Jesus, we, we thank you so much that... Um, you know, you promised you're going to build your church, that, that COVID, nothing can stop uh, what you're doing. In spirit, you are alive and you are active and you speak. Gord's a living testimony of that. I'm a living testimony of that. Anyone who's hearing this right now is a living, living testimony that you speak. And so we ask right now in this moment that, that you would just do a beautiful work. You would continue to do a beautiful work, uh, but you would do a beautiful work through Broken, through Gord, through Julia, through those who are serving alongside them. Uh, and that there would just be these beautiful stories of your grace, of your heart for uh, the lost, the outsider, the, the broken, um, that your heart would be put on display, that we would see healing, we would see um, people being healed of addiction, people being healed of their brokenness, we would see uh, people who, who don't know you coming to know you, coming to faith in you, uh, and that ultimately, like our declaration, the, the drum that we beat over and over and over again uh, as a church family is, Jesus, we want your name to be known in our city. And so we pray through Broken Ministries. We pray through Gord's life, through Julia's life, and through the work that they're doing, that your name would be known in our city. And we pray it in your good name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Gordo, thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, family, I, I, I don't know about you, but I found that so encouraging. I I trust that you were blessed and you were encouraged by what God is doing through Broken Ministries and by uh, by what God is doing through our church. He's doing something great. And as we said in the interview, if you want to get involved in Broken Ministries, reach out to Gordo. If you're not sure how to get in touch with Gordo, just quickly send an email to myself, chris at westvillagechurch.com, and we will put you in touch. If you want to give to Broken Ministries, you can go right on our website and give directly to Broken Ministries. 100% of what you give to Broken Ministries will go directly to support the ministry that God is doing there. Uh, but, but here's where I want to leave us. I don't merely want us to be encouraged. I actually want us to be inspired. Uh, we are all called on some level to do Broken Ministries. Uh, we may not be called to go downtown, right? Gordo's a unique bird. <laughs> he's got a unique calling on his life. God has clearly called him, and he's clearly called Julia to go down town to work with with street folks with drug addicts and that's not everybody's calling but what broken ministries is ultimately about and i'll just quote gordo here is to shine the brightest light into the darkest places we're all called to do that we're all called to do broken ministries to bring the light of the gospel to bring the hope of the gospel to bring the grace of of jesus the mercy of jesus wherever it is that god has placed us wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you uh, play and have fun and do life, there is brokenness there. There is darkness there. It may look different than we saw in the video and in the stories that we heard, but there is darkness there. Wherever there is not Jesus, there is darkness. 
And by God's grace, we have been called, just as the prophet Jeremiah calls us to, to seek the prosperity and the blessing of the city. That's our call. Family, that's what Jesus is calling us to do. And so I want to encourage you, encourage me, encourage us. As we say every week, let's go now together. Let's go and be the church. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you love us. We thank you that in this moment that we are in, where where we are in exile. We've been in exile, maybe we didn't know, but right now we're feeling the exile. You are with us. And you're not calling us to sit by idly and wait. You're not calling us to stomp our feet, cross our arms and furrow, furrow our brow and be frustrated. You are calling us to love and to serve and to give, to sacrifice and to be on mission for, for the sake of your name. What a privilege that we in this moment, we in this moment have the opportunity to seek the prosperity of the city. Would you lead us and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' good name, and all God's children said, amen, amen. Thank you, church.